guys, my name is Jessica. Welcome to Unveiling the Scriptures podcast with Pastor Steve and his son, Jared Curtis. Tonight, uh, they're going to dig deeper into the book of Revelation. So grab your Bibles and let's join them. We want to welcome you to the newest episode of Unveiling the Scriptures, and tonight we're going to continue our journey uh, through the book of Revelation, but before we do that, we're going to want to do some recapping, I'm guessing, because yeah. it's been a little bit since we've... Since we've talked, yeah. and, and there's a lot that goes on in Revelation, and so uh, what, what I try to do, especially when I'm speaking, is to always bring people up to date, because then you get in the middle of the seals, and eventually the trumpets, and... And it can be very confusing if we don't know where, uh, what, excuse me, what's happening on the prophetic calendar. And so let me just take a moment, if I could, to, to just go back to the beginning. In Revelation chapter 1, I believe the 19th verse uh, does for us, gives us an outline of the entire chapter. I'll go ahead and read that. And it's uh, 119, he says, John says, Write there for the things you have seen, those that are... And that's Revelation chapter 1, or, the, or those that you have seen, who's the glorified Christ, those that are, which are the churches in chapters 2 and 3, and then uh, those that are to take place after this. And so in chapter 1, we see the glorified Savior, King Jesus, and, and, and it, there's very, it's very descriptive on who he is and in his glory. And then we go to chapters 2 and 3, Chapters 2 and 3, I believe, talk about, the, of course, talk about these seven churches, which are real churches uh, and real places, and Jesus does an evaluation. Some of the churches he gives condemnation, some of them he gives commendations, and some he does both. And, uh, and I believe that chapters 2 and 3 are, are the church age, because once we are out of chapter 3, we never see the church anymore. Uh, it's on earth. So I believe that as we enter into chapter four, that the rapture of the church takes place, <clears throat> that when the scripture says, come hither or come up, um, he says, uh, oh, he says, behold, a, a, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet says, come up here and I will show you what must take place. I believe the church is raptured. I believe there are other scriptures 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses and 50-something. I'm not sure of the exact verses. But um, they all talk about the rapture of the church, and we never hear about the church uh, uh, on earth again. So in chapter 4 and chapter 5, it's a powerful chapters. They talk about worshiping God, the four creatures, um, the, 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 who are like uh, elevated angels, I think. Uh, one had the face of a man, one has the face of an ox, one has the face of an eagle, and one has, I'm missing one. A lion. A lion, yep. face of a lion. And, uh, and they're worshiping God. Chapters 4 and 5, there's, 
they're opening God. But in chapter five, there's a little depression for a while because there's this scroll that nobody can open the seals of the scrolls, and John weeps profusely. And then, uh, of course, Jesus, the Lamb of God, the, the Savior of the world, steps up, he takes the scroll, and he alone is worthy because he is the one who paid for the sins of our sins and died on the cross. And uh, so he is the only one worthy that can open the seals on the scroll. The, the, kinda, the picture is these wax seals that would secure this scroll, but the only one that can uh, open these seals, of course, is Jesus Christ. And so when we get to chapter 6, the worst, the, of course, we go to the throne, we begin to go to the earth. And the seals are opened by the Savior, and some horrific things, especially in chapter 6, begin to happen. In fact, tonight, if we have time, we're going to look at uh, the first uh, five, excuse me, six seals. And uh, so we'll, we can start our reading in chapter 6, verse 1. The, the throne, we just come out of the throne room, worship in heaven. Jesus is worthy. He is the one who has the scroll. He took the scroll from the Father. He has it in his hand. He's opening the seals, and now we're going to see what these seals are. Well, what is, if, if real quick before we do that, what is the scroll? I mean, what's the significance of the scroll that's been handed, the handed to The scroll has within it um, the, the future happenings of our planet, of those who believe and those who don't believe. And uh, each seal that's, that's opened and released, uh, uh, some kind of judgment that God says that God's placing on the earth. And all of these seals and trumpets and bowls and all of these things will happen. They're, they set up the second coming to the earth of Jesus Christ. So these seals are, are judgments that, uh, that are uh, issued by Christ. He is the one worthy to issue, issue them. You know, this scroll, of course, is about those seals being opened and judgment being released and Jesus finally taking over the earth, taking back the earth, which is his, and setting up his kingdom. So as we look at these seals that are opened, uh, we see some horrific things that are about to take place. So in Revelation chapter 6, starting with verse 1, now I watched, the, the, now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. This is interesting because some people say, because we you know that when Jesus returns, he returns on a white horse. Some people say that, or some actually believe that this is Jesus that he comes uh, on a white horse, but it isn't for a few reasons. Uh, one, one of them is because he has a bow without an arrow. When Jesus comes with a sword, uh, but he has a bow without out an arrow. And we believe this to be the Antichrist, that, that he comes on a white horse trying to counterfeit the Savior. And when he comes, what he does is he sets up a false peace. As you notice, there's no war, there's no uh, fighting going on here. He does it by way of uh, diplomacy. He does it by, uh, by actually setting a, um, a covenant with Israel. 
and he will be the guy that comes and everybody will love him because he knows how to to persuade people. He's very charismatic and has the ability to um, to really draw a crowd and get get countries and leaders and people to follow him. And it talks about this this kind of arrowless bow. In other words, he conquers, but he conquers with um, with his ability to coerce people to follow him. And he's this very charismatic leader that many will follow. And so it, and, and when we look at the tribulation period, okay, the church has been raptured. We went into the throne room. The tribulation begins when the Antichrist signs a covenant with Israel. And so for the first three and a half years of the tribulation, uh, it, it's, it, it's what we would call like a false peace. People are thinking, wow, this guy's got it together. We're finally getting, getting our world together. You know, things are starting to turn around. And, uh, and so this Antichrist has, has the world fooled. That believers are already gone. They've got probably some kind of story about why the rapture happened. And so when, when, they, um, when they go into uh, this tribulation period, the first seal that Christ opens is, I believe, the arrival of Antichrist. What do you think, Jerry? Well, and I, I, I don't disagree. I, I think it's. I think one of the things to remember, and as we start going through the other seals, is it doesn't make sense to me um, when looking at this rider on the on the white horse that if this were Jesus, these other seals that come behind him, yeah, that doesn't make sense. sense. Right. It doesn't make sense that we're, and we'll talk about the death and pestilence and you know and all of that as as we roll on down. But what I think is really interesting, though, is that it would only make sense that the Antichrist would would mimic Christ, number one, with the idea of a white horse and, and all of that. But two, it uses the words here in the scripture that he came out conquering and to conquer. And if we go back to the Messiah that that the the Jews expected based on Old Testament prophecy, they expected a conquering Messiah. They expected a warrior. They expected, like you said, somebody that would come in and and people would be in awe and just fall before him because he's going to be this great, um, the this great uh, sense of power and might and 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 charismatic and all of these things. But the the Messiah, the Christ of Scripture, came in as the suffering servant. The right, so, and so, what we see is this person coming in. That, as I heard, I heard one guy put it one time that um, that Jesus is coming in, or not Jesus, but the Antichrist is coming in as the Christ that we want, mm. that we see, that we expect. That if if somebody came to us and said, "Okay, well," You put together what kind of Messiah you want. That's what this guy's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be easy for us, or not us, hopefully, right? Because we're going to be sitting up watching this from the balcony. But it'd be easy for those around to say, okay, yeah, because that's what I think a Messiah should be. He's going to be the people's man. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, so that makes sense. Yeah, why, that's exactly what I think a Christ should be. So I'll follow that guy. He lives up to my standards. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> 
and, <laughs> and he makes every, seemingly makes everything all right for everyone. And then the second seal takes place. It says in verse um, 3, When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, now that's one of the four creatures that we talked about. We're not that's sure what which, I was going to ask. Not yeah. sure which one. We just know so it's one of the four. We know it's one of the, the four creatures. Um, and and here's what he says. I heard the second living creature say, come. And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth. Remember, we got peace on the earth for about three and a half years. And we're getting ready to go into the next three and a half years. So he, so, uh, so he takes peace from the earth so that the people should slay one another, and he was given a great sword, uh, the sword of war. And um, this is called, this is the, the rider on the red horse is, is considered the one of war. And so what we'll begin to see is, I don't know if this is nuclear war involved with this, I don't know what kind of war, but I know that it's it's worldwide and and it's going to cause some real, of course, war does cause some real pain and havoc around us. So the second seal is war. Any comments on that? Well, and I think it's interesting that what John Rice is, its writer, talking about the writer of the Red Horse, was permitted to take peace from the earth. So there's this idea of not just you know we go we go straight to the idea of somebody inflicting war coming in and and but the wording here is take peace mm-hmm. and we could say say oh it's just semantics but no i think it's really interesting that mm-hmm. what we're walking into is the removal of god's grace mm-hmm. on the planet yeah that's right? a good point yeah and so yeah. and so removing the peace removing the peace that only comes through christ leaves us in a point of we go back to our best thinking we go back to our um instincts we go back to our our cravings and man left alone without the peace of god even and that's one of the things that i know that we've talked about an awful lot is people don't understand how much the presence of god holds our world together and the fact that you know we we look at it and people say well where is god when this happens and where is god when that happens and what we fail to realize is that if we believe what Scripture says is true, is that those moments, those horrible moments, we should be and would be experiencing on the regular every moment of every day. That's what hell's going to be mm-hmm. if, the, if the peace of God was not here. And so what's happening is, is the Lamb of God is opening the the end story and by doing so going down this this list of seals and it's like he's slowly pulling back his presence from the world and it's falling apart yeah i think that's the key yeah Uh, these seals are this is what's happening as the antichrist comes and god's peace is as you just said is being more and more withdrawn uh and you see, if if God says, I'm going to turn my back on the entire earth, I'm going to withdraw my spirit, I'm going to withdraw any kind of spiritual or God influence, we would self-destruct. Mm-hmm. 
we would be of, of the most miserable people. Uh, and even in our world, as wretched as it is, there's still that, that uh, okay, hang on, hold on. It's not going to, it's not full-fledged, you know, uh, separation from God. And as you said earlier, really, that's hell. So as these seals are being released, God's presence is being removed. And um, so the war, uh, anything else? Because I'm going to go to no, the next season. No, yeah, we'll just continue to watch Some that Some of these unfold. are pretty clear. And then... It says in verse 5, it says, Then when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hands. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. Um, in other words, there's famine in the land. In other words, to buy food. I think a denarius, I, I believe, I, if I can remember correctly, was a, was a I think a day's pay, was it a year's pay or a, not exactly sure, but it was a, I believe it was a year's pay. And so to eat, they, in other words, they would never have enough money to buy enough food. And uh, so, so this, so, but what you're seeing, though, is you're seeing a natural domino effect. As peace, as war begins to happen, uh, that causes uh, uh, the food supply to be interrupted. And now people are scrambling, you know, whatever money they have uh, goes to buy uh, food. Uh, there's an old song, I was singing it before we started here, and he says, uh, 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 a piece of bread would buy a bag of gold. In other words, uh, bread would be that valuable because it would be so scarce. And uh, and the black rider of the, the black horse of, of the apocalypse is the one who um, who brings famine because war has is destroying the world, destroying the earth. Mm-hmm. And and one uh, one commentator I read talked about how. It's interesting that he points out, do not harm the oil and wine, which oil and wine would be kind of like the the upper echelon um, of people. Those that have more, those that are the rich, that are the powerful, they'll still have theirs, Mm -hmm. right? The the, kind of the warlords, the the, um, politicians in in different areas, while everybody else is falling apart. I, I, I heard somewhere else, I think, in our country, or not in our country, in our world, while there are areas that that suffer uh, and you know, famine and and people starving, and but eighty like eighty percent, I think it is eighty percent of our world has food. Mm-hmm. So this is something that the majority don't even understand, mm-hmm. and so you're talking about these wages to buy what's needed to make bread. That's not even like going to the store and buying bread. That's to make it Mm -hmm. is astronomically high. People will never be able to to pull it off. But those that are empowered, because again, man without God Mm -hmm. is, is a wretched, despicable person. And we don't like, we miss that point that even those that don't believe in God, every good thing that they do, every Every um, 
bit of love that they experience is the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Like, right. because left to ourselves, there is none of that. Right. Because God is love, right? Not just, it's not just a characteristic of his or an attribute. He is. And so it's, uh, it's like they, people that don't believe catch the overflow mm-hmm. and get to enjoy um, loving a spouse, loving a child, loving a friend. But as God pulls his peace out during this, this, this time in, in history, future history, man's power takes over. And that's what you start to see, where you see people are going to be starving. There's going to be war. People are not going to take care of each other. Right? I mean, that's, those are all God, God-given drives and attributes and characteristics. I mean, he, in the Old Testament, he, he mandated that his people take care of the sojourner, take care of the, um, those that are, that are weary and wondering. In the New Testament, take care of those that are hungry. Take care of the orphans and the widows. Take, right? This is all a God thing. Mm-hmm. You take that out, mm-hmm. and everything starts to and, fall and apart. You have the, the pure definition of conflict. Two people trying to occupy the same space. Yeah. That's what conflict is. And what you're what you're seeing here is is uh, is James one fifteen coming to fruition. Yes, when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. And without God, uh, man left to himself is is hopeless. It's hopeless. And we're beginning to see the hopelessness of man without God. And uh, so so now we have famine. We've we've got a false leader, an antichrist. Uh, and then we, because of his ungodly rule, we have war that's breaking out. We have famine because war, uh, I, I, I know that there was civil war, for instance, in Ethiopia. And one of the big problems with the civil war was people couldn't get food. Mm-hmm. You know, they couldn't even go get it or raise it and because of the, 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 the horror, horrific thing called war. And then it goes to the final Horse, four, we've always heard the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And the fourth one says this in verse 7. Unless you have anything else on. Mm-hmm. Okay. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature. So all these creatures, each one of them, it doesn't say which one of them, but the four creatures that we talk about in, in chapter 4 and chapter 5, uh, they're, they're kind of standing up and saying, Come. They're saying, "Come," and then the next seal is 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 opened and revealed. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed uh, followed him. And they and they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with a sword, with famine and with pestilence, and by wild beasts on earth. So this fourth is just the the actually the outward working of the first three actually, and death is just a predominant throughout the world. I mean things it says like uh, to kill with a sword, which is that's battle with famine. People are starving with pestilence, diseases, by wild beasts. I mean the animal kingdom's kind of uh, out of sync too. Mm-hmm. Again, you know. We, I think we'd be overtaken in, in many parts of our world. God didn't kind of 
put the hand of halt on the animals sure. and, and because uh, because we but here we see the unleashing of these seals and the destructiveness of man left to himself. Anything else on that? No, we can keep rolling. Okay. In verse 9, he goes to the fifth seal. So we've gone through the four. Uh, and you know what's interesting? I'm not going to, and we'll get, we'll see a lot of this happening. We're going to see a lot of destruction. And we're going to see a lot of uh, judgments of God that's, that's going to be released. And you would think, you would think that people will just fall on their face before God and repent. But they don't. And the reason is we think that, you know, if, if, we, if we hit people hard enough, they change. But that's not true. The only one that can change the heart of wicked man is God. Man would not change it on his own. Man would hide in the caves, and we'll see that in a mm-hmm. minute. But man, the man left to himself will make the decision to follow his own wicked um, Tattered heart, mm-hmm. and what we're and we're seeing that happening here. But the scene shifts a little bit here, because we see a group of people that um, that are incredible people. Well, and if I can, before yeah, sure. we point this out, I I think it's really interesting. And again, like you said, we don't know which which beast was talking to John at the time. Mm-hmm. But with these previous seals, you had each one of the four say, come. Or it could even be translated as, like, go see. So, in other words, remember, we were, we were in, the, in the throne room. There was great worship. Then there was fear. Mm-hmm. And then the lamb shows up. And so, from the throne room, we have these four animals that or four beasts that creatures. Say, creatures that say you need to see this come here so it's like as i guess the way i see it in my head i don't know if it's right but it's almost like almost as as the lamb of god is t- popping these seals cuz if i'm picturing it right it's a scroll like we think of mm-hmm. scrolls rolled a piece of paper think of it like seven wax stamps right. seals and and it's not like we're opening this and it's one layer and we're but it's like before we can get to the whole picture all of those seals have to be mm-hmm. broken right. before we get to the final judgment where it is that that God wants all creation to be where where it all comes to that finality and so it it gives me this picture of like um you know the 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 creatures bringing John to almost like um, almost like a screen to that he can view to say no. This is when when we see the Lamb of God remove this seal. This is what's happening to like give him a picture of what's taking place. So we've had the four we've had the four creatures, angels, whatever they are, bringing him to see these crazy pictures of what's going to be unleashed on the planet. And then when the fifth one, we come back to, we come back to the altar. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's really interesting that, okay, so now we've seen 
what's going to take place on the outside. And now it's, okay, so now we're going to bring it back, almost bring it home a little more than than just what's happening out there, but check out what's taking place here um, at the altar. So I thought that was really neat. And I think kind of this, I don't even really know what the word is I'm, I'm looking for, but this this these grand pictures, these broad pictures, and now we're gonna we're gonna bring it back down on this fifth seal to focus on a particular people. Mm-hmm. And and these people uh, we deal with here in chapter six, and we deal again again with them with a different cry in chapter seven, which we'll get to at another time. But in chapter, you want to go ahead and read the next uh, verses nine through eleven. Sure. Uh, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Okay, so what we see here is, hey, here's what, there's a question that a lot of people ask, and we're going to get, I'm not going to really deal with the answer in hold tonight. We won't want to, that won't, till we get to chapter seven. <clears throat> but will, will there be saved people in the tribulation? And the answer is yes. However, It's not going to be like living in the United States of America. It's not going to be somebody ridiculing you for your faith or um, just that or making fun of you because of what you believe. These there will be people in the tribulation time who will be killed by uh, those who are of Antichrist, those who are of that system, (laughs) and they will seek out uh, believers who come to Christ in the tribulation period and they will seek to kill him. And many people will be martyred. And one of the, one of the, uh, I think for me personally, one of the, um, I guess, I don't know, it's hard to say joy, but, but overwhelming times in my life was to meet and talk with martyrs. When we went to Ethiopia, there was this, Pastor by the name of uh, Pastor De, De Billy, and he pastored in, and I'm not sh- exactly w- sure where in uh, Ethiopia, but he was constantly being physically attacked for his faith. In fact, I remember Pastor Michael, who runs El Peace International, is a mission that that uh, works. In, you've been, we both been to Ethiopia, and it works to reach people in. Ethiopia, and Pastor uh, DeBilly came to uh, to one of the conferences we were at. Were you there? Mm-hmm. And um, and I'll never forget. I could. I was trying to interview him, and uh, and and when I was, he would be telling about some of the the persecution being beat. In fact, he was told uh, that when he came back, if he came back from this conference where we were at that he was going to be killed, he and mm-hmm. his family. And um, so anyway. Well, I remember that because he had, I mean, they had they had <clears throat> beat him severely before. Right, right. So it wasn't, 
that they were just we saw the picture. It wasn't all just talk. I mean, this they had beat this guy horribly and then said, "If you come back, we're going to kill you." And so he did. He came to us and and I remember talking with him and um and I remember I I just couldn't compose myself to see this guy to talk to this guy who who daily puts his life on the line for the gospel. We don't in America. Right. I'm not saying that there's not pockets of persecution or pockets of ridicule. I'm not saying that we don't go through some difficult things, but this guy every day had to live in fear of his very life. Yeah, we're probably not going to have our houses burned down while we're right. sleeping because we believe in Jesus. Right. But this guy was in total, uh, he, was, he was under threat. All the time. So anyway, uh, I remember talking to him, and I and I would kind of lose it. You know, I couldn't hardly finish the sentence because I was so impressed with his humility, mm-hmm. with with his love for God. And but he would look at me like I remember, yep. like, <laughs> like, why are you crying? And 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 I interpreted that for, uh, this way that he was saying, "Isn't this what we're supposed to do?" Isn't this how we're supposed to live? And so these people that we've just read about here are people who said salvation is not just I go to church on Sunday and I may you know go to a meeting here or there and I read my Bible from time to time. It wasn't a routine that I just went through. It was a lifestyle that they lived. And they knew that when they gave their one and only lives to the one and only Savior, that they would be severely tortured, they would be beaten, and they would be killed for the cause of Christ. And so uh, this fifth seal is, is not what's happening to, it's not what's happening to these uh, martyrs. It is their cry for vengeance. And I let me, let me see where it says here. It says, they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? In other words, these people killed us for the cause of Christ. And, you know, we love the movies about revenge and vengeance. We Because something within us says, when, when, when somebody is done wrong, when an injustice is perpetrated, that we want to um, make that right. Mm-hmm. And so we love the superhero that comes or, uh, and, or, the, or the, the, you know, the guys who come and, and save the day. They, they enact revenge. Mm-hmm. Now, the word, it's avenge here, and the word vengeance simply means applied justice. In other words, these guys are crying and saying, when is justice going to be applied to these who have killed us? And and it goes on to say, I don't mean to monopolize the conversation, but it goes <laughs> on good. to say, then, he says, then they were each given a white robe and told to rest it along. Now, they didn't literally put on a white robe yet. That comes later. Uh, but... But, but they were given this white robe that symbolizes that they were washed in the blood of the Lamb. In other words, they, they were made right with God. They were wearing the robe of righteousness. Not their righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. 
And he says, now rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers, because there's going to be more to come. There's going to be all kinds of, uh, of, of uh, killing, murders, and martyr, martyrdom, martyrdom going on. Uh, and, and they're told to just simply hang on. God will take, you know, remember this about vengeance. You know, when we, we are never supposed to take vengeance, you know, as people. Only God can do that. Uh, I think it's in Romans where it says, Venge- he, he's vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And so when people struggle with that, because I, have you heard the people that say, you know, I don't, I, I don't get mad, I get even, you know. And that's not good because it never works for us. Right. It never works. But when God does it, as he's doing here, as, as he's going to complete later on in this book, uh, it will be right, it will be just, and it will be from the hand of Almighty God. Well, from a human standpoint, we really don't spend a whole lot of concern or a whole lot of time um, thinking about wanting to make it right. I mean, think about this for a second. And, and the type of person that you're talking about, the one that says, I, I, I want revenge. I want, well, it, they don't want to right a wrong. They're mad because somebody did them wrong. It has very little to do with the actual act itself. It has everything to do with the way the person feels. What we're talking about here is we're talking about a righteous, just, perfect, holy, love, loving God who is going to handle making what is wrong right. And it's not about and, – and even in this passage, it, it lets us see that it's not about a, a personal – issue versus it's a, I'm going to make this right. So we have the souls of the martyrs at the, under the altar, right? So that, that gives us the same, that picture of uh, worship back in the Old Testament, blood being uh, waved on at the base of the altar as mm-hmm. we're getting ready to, right. to worship God. Um, but here are the souls of the martyrs. So these are those that that have died in the process right. of worship. Right. right. They're actually uh, sacrificed yeah. for the purpose. And, and, you, and you brought up something that just came to my mind. I thought it was good. I don't think they're saying, oh, get him, God, because a, you know, a guy hit me in the head or cut my head off. Mm-hmm. I think what they're saying is, God, en- enact justice, because all of this, what is going on, is wrong. And, 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 and not, not, you know, this guy cut my head off. So would you get him God? You right. know, it wasn't that you're right. It wasn't really personal as much as it was, uh, dealing with the, this, the, um, um, the, the whole total injustice of what was going on. And that's the fifth seal, the cry for vengeance, the cry that God would make what is wrong. Right. As mm-hmm. you said. And then I, I love the, <laughs> then they were given, white robe and told to rest a little longer. So rest a little longer gives us the impression that they were resting already. I think that ties into that same that same perspective that you just talked about. The well I'm not mad because they did something wrong to me. I am in full understanding of who God is. Right? I am in the presence of the Lord and I want his will to be done. I want his justice, his peace, his to be unleashed. I want to see the end of this story take place. Mm-hmm. And 
And I don't think it's wrong for us as believers to, to, to pray this prayer, to ask God for these things, to ask him to move forward in making the world his again, mm-hmm. because we understand yeah. that it's when it's left us, this, mm-hmm. I mean, this is what we get. Mm-hmm. That, that's what get this is deals. about. Yeah. This is about him taking the world back. It, it's been Satan's. He's the prince of the power of the air, you know. He is the God of this world. And this whole thing, and we'll get into some more, as destructive and as uh, horrific as, as it is, is, is the process that God is taking to regain the planet mm-hmm. for a new heaven and a new earth for that to happen, as we'll read down the road. You want to move on? Yeah, sure. Verse 12. We'll go ahead and read verse 12 to the end. Because we got the sixth seal coming. So, well, let's just review real quick. So Jesus takes the scroll from the Father, begins to open these seals up. We know the first four, the four uh, horsemen, the one of false peace, the one of war, the one of famine, the one of death. We see the fifth seal that's open. That's the the martyrs uh, under the altar crying for uh, a vengeance and basically justice. Uh, for those who have been killed, and 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 he's, they say, hang on, because there, there's going to be, there's got to be some more. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's a certain number that he has. That completion God that has to take place. Completion yeah. has to take place. And now we hit this. So, so you know now, what that reminds me of? Can I? Um, this yeah, no, popped into my head that if you jump back into Genesis, I want to say somewhere around eleven or twelve, and and uh, God starts talking to Abraham. And he tells him, I, I'm going to have this, I have this land for you, the promised land I'm going to give to you. And he, then he talks about the stars in the sky and how many descendants and so on and so forth. But there's this little piece that I always found so fascinating where he says, he says, I'm paraphrasing, the time's not right now because the people that live in that land, what he's saying is they haven't reached their point of sin to where I'm going to punish them for what they're doing, right? So there's a whole other story going on over here that we aren't necessarily privy to at the time because we're looking at God having his conversation with, with Abraham. But it was this, I have this place for you, but there's things that have to happen that I have in line before I get you there to that promised land. And it's, it almost sounds like the same kind of conversation that God's having with, with John, that Jesus is having with John, that he's being allowed to see, to take back to the churches of, again, I have this land, mm-hmm. but there's things that have to happen first before we get you there. And, and of course, there's the, uh, the rapture, but then what takes place on the planet after that before we can get back to before it can be the promised land. And so it just just to hear hear you know God saying, "Well, hold on just a little longer. Mm-hmm. Rest just a little longer. Mm-hmm. I'm in control." Listen, nobody else could open these seals. Mm-hmm. Understand, this scroll is in the hand of the lamb of God. Mm-hmm. It's not just somebody ran up picked it and started popping seals, right? Yeah, right. The only right. person that could do it is holding it is in control of it. So as crazy as all this sounds, remember whose hand the scroll is in as he walks through those, yeah. those seals. And that's another message of Revelation. 
that God controls what's happening, that God is in control of what's going on. And then when we see the sixth seal, it looks like basically all hell is breaking loose and that God is out of control and that these things are happening, but not true. God is in control. So I'm going to go ahead and read, if you don't mind, from 12 to the end of the chapter. Yeah, certainly. And then we can comment on it. So he says this, So when he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake. Notice that's singular, Singular. not plural. And the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became, or some translations say the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as figs, a fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. So there's this major uh, shifting of this planet going on. Um, then he says, Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid them. I would love to have read repented, but they don't. They do what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden when they yep. sinned. They hid. And it says, let me back up. It says, and, um, and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne. Now, they know who's there. Mm-hmm. It's not like we don't know why this is happening. That's, that's the wonderful thing about the judgment of God. When the judgment of God is inactive, you know why. Yeah. You know, he, Nobody's going to say, I didn't. I, yeah, I don't understand. I don't even know what's I going on. Because like, mm-hmm. it's very could fall on him and hide us from the face of who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of their wrath. In other words, there's, this is like an appointed day has come. Mm-hmm. Who can stand? Wow. So he opens, and so, so we see this... Um, I thought it was really interesting, you know, because in, in Matthew 24, it talks about earthquakes, you know, what are the signs of my coming, you know, and it's, you know, all the different things. Right. But here he's saying there will be an earthquake. In fact, the Greek word, I think it's seismos, and it talks about a great shaking. So what what I'm seeing here this is just kind of my view of it is there'll be, you know, there'll be earthquake, this big earthquake, tsunamis, there'll be. And because of the volcanic eruptions and explosions, there'll be, of course, ash, and the moon will uh, be covered, you know, as we say, it'll look like blood. The sun will be darkened. Um, and it talks about um, it talks about stars falling from the, you know, like a meteor shower kind of on the earth, you know, asteroids, if you please. Um, and then and then I don't even know how to explain. Uh, I know Isaiah talks about it, but the sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up. And then every mountain and island was removed from us. In other words, there's this vast shaking and shifting of the earth. I don't know. Somebody I heard say that maybe it has to do with nuclear explosions too. I don't know. It has to do with, um, it has to do with, with, with the earth being knocked off its axis, I don't know. I just know uh, horrible things are happening. I believe it's we're getting into the second part of the tribulation, the second three and a half years, which is called the, the time of Jacob's trouble. 
and scripture is very clear to tell us that this is a there's never been anything like this you know maybe you know i remember the tsunami that happened in indonesia back in 2004 uh, and that was horrific. Some 225,000 people lost their lives. But this is worse. This is worse. What do you think? What's well, and I think as, as we walk down these seals, um, I, I think we're. this is where we see that from the final cry of the martyrs to now things get crazy. Like We can't even begin to picture what this is talking about. I couldn't imagine what was going through the mind of John mm-hmm. as he's as he's viewing this because, I mean, this is crazy. We're talking about, I mean, we're talking about okay. life as we know it, our physical existence changing to something that we have never seen or experienced before. Yeah. That crazy. And he, But here's what really, like, catches my, catches my eye when he says, everyone hid themselves in the caves. Everyone hid themselves in the caves, calling out to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne. So what it looks like to me is that from that fifth seal to that sixth seal, it's come to completion on the people that are gonna gonna turn to God. Because according to this seal, everybody... That's left is saying, just go ahead and kill me. I, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. Hide, I'm calling out to the mountains to hide me from God. Mm-hmm. I know God's the one doing this. Mm-hmm. It is His wrath, and I'm and I'm hiding. And and, and, and again, I, you would think they would fall on their knees and say, "Lord, forgive me." You know, they don't mm-hmm. because that's not what draws us to God. Left right. to ourselves, we we run from God. Ask Adam and Eve. <laughs> Left to themselves when they when they partook of the, the the fruit of the tree, whatever it was, and they hid in the garden. I think Genesis three. They they hid. Mm-hmm. Jesus uh, got Jesus or God's walking on the cool of the day. Where you know where? Well, they're hiding because of their sin. And same here, because people in their sin, they're they're not running to God, who is their own salvation. They're hiding from Him. I, I watched a movie, and I won't tell you what it is. And it's a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. But the effects in this movie are amazing. And and there's some there's some similar stories. I don't know if they got it from the Bible or not. The story is that because of, you know, of course, they're gonna call it, you the know, global warming global or something, warming yeah. Or climate change or whatever. Uh, but but all of a sudden, you know, the 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 earth's crumbling. And, and so these people are barely escaping all of the different tragedies, the earthquakes, the volcanoes, the tsunamis, and they kind of made it on their plane. And they're kind of, some people know the movie I'm talking about. And so they finally make it. And the idea is to find all these big ships that, because they knew where it was coming. And so this humanity was going to save itself. Yes. And yes. with all these ships that were going to get a select people. Who would go in these ships? Well, we know that's man's idea, but there's a biblical truth in that, mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, when I see those those um, when I see the the effects and the the images that, that that nowadays we can we can do a good job with with computers and technology and everything, but it's a picture of what will happen on this earth uh, for those who don't know Christ, and that is why we share the gospel. 
That is why we tell the good news that, that as horrific as this is, we don't, those who believe will not experience that. Those who trust Christ will not have to worry about this. This is scary. This is difficult. But if you're a believer, uh, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive will, will, will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So, I mean, I'm sure there's more, but this is, this is you know, people read it, and, they, and, they, and when they read this, they say, oh, this is a terrible book. But really it isn't, because especially in the next chapter, we see the grace of God once again. We see the mercy of God once again being extended. So, And, and truth be told, from the moment that Genesis 3 took place, everything we've read in these seals, we deserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So it's yeah. not—and and, and that's what we have to—the way we have to kind of go back to is, is you know— we want to argue or people want to argue that, you know, well, one of the most popular is, well, if there's this good, great, benevolent God, then why do bad things happen? And to that I say we're approaching it from the wrong perspective. We have, we have a, a faulty starting point. What we have to ask is what would the world be like without him, right? And who is he and who are we? Right, so our salvation and who God is, like we don't, we're, we don't do our research and come to a conclusion that God's worth trusting. So you know, you've checked all my boxes. So now I'm going to put my trust in you. God reveals Himself when we see who He is. This is this is what my stance based on my understanding of Scripture, is that when God reveals himself to us and we really see who God is, we can't, we can't turn from him. Mm-hmm. When we see who he is, not who we think he is, not mm-hmm. like the first seal, <clears throat> the old boy showing up on the white horse, mm-hmm. being the God that we would put together, that we would make. But when we see who he is and it reveals to us who we are and our need for him, that is when salvation takes place. So if, if that is the case, we can look at this and we can say, well, of course, because even though they know who God is, he's not the God that they believe he should be. And therefore, I would rather be buried by these boulders than repent. Yeah. Because repent. that's our human yeah. nature. That's right. our, that is our dead spirit. Mm-hmm. That is us existing in our human nature. And here's the truth. I believe it. It doesn't come out and say that this here. Had anybody, or if anybody, cries out to Christ, or whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord mm-hmm. are saved. But that's not what they're doing. No. They're not doing that. And and what's interesting is not only does they know it's from God, it says it says, fall on us and hide us from the face of who? Not some God in the air somewhere. He, he, yep. They're very specific here. Uh, from the wrath of who? The Lamb. Who's mm-hmm. the Lamb? Jesus Christ, the, uh, who's taken away the sins of the earth. For the great day of the wrath has come. And then it says, and who can stand? Let me tell you who can stand. Those who are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Those are the only ones. And then we're going to go into this next parentheses, or this parentheses here, this... Uh, 
interlude, or I call it an interruption, uh, but it's a powerful interruption. It gives us some time to reflect and to and to see what God, how great God is, because God, in the midst of all this stuff going on between chapter six and what's going to happen again in chapter eight, which gets worse, is is the grace and mercy of God, and we'll we'll get to that next week or next time. What else? Anything else? I think that's it. Let's close in prayer. All right. <laughs> you want to close, Jared? Sure. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you again um, for your word. We thank you for uh, sharing with us your heart, sharing with us your um, your desire, your um, your map to show us that you know when this is all said and done, you are still in control that you are God, and I thank you for, for loving us and for drawing us to you and for saving us, doing for us what we could never have done for ourselves. We thank you so much for your promise that you will avenge those who come after your family, after your children, that you will protect us, that you will give us rest, and that you will once again um, rule this world and allow us to be a part of it. And so, God, we thank you again for your grace, for your mercy, and for, again, your promise that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, and that, uh, and that you, you love us so much. And, and because of that, God, we want to share the same message, the message that you used, that you brought us to you through, Share that message with those uh, that we come in contact with, God, so that they, too, can come to know uh, your love and, and grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. For joining us tonight on this episode of Unveiling the Scriptures. My name is Jessica, and we'll see you next time. 